The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You're tuned in to an all-new edition of Talk of Champions, and this edition of Talk of Champions, which is a mailbag, is brought to you by Modern Woodman and BNA Bank. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC. An equal housing lender. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's a mailbag edition of Talk of Champions. 
I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Brian Scott Rippy at BS Rippy on Twitter. We both write for the Ole Miss Spirit, OmSpirit.com, and Food 247 Sports. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review Talk of Champions, this podcast, in iTunes. Just simply search Talk of Champions to find it. And when you do, leave a five star review. Also available at SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Rippy, what's up, man? How you doing? Good, man. How about you? I'm good. Anything special for July 4th? Not really. I'm in uh, Fort Worth with my girlfriend. We sat there uh, with some people by like her like apartment pool. She lives in like a little cool like strip center, so we went to a restaurant across the street. And that was really about it. Nothing nothing too crazy. Fourth of July in the age of COVID is kind of weird. Like there were some fireworks and stuff downtown, but not a not a ton of options. A lot of fireworks, surprisingly, in New Albany, Mississippi. Everywhere. I was about to ask, what'd you do? Well, we ate and then we shot fireworks at my aunt's house, but my uncle is dealing with the virus. So they were inside their house on their screened-in pores, and we're like 30, 40, 50 yards away and watching the fireworks that are being shot way off in the distance by my dad, my brother, and my cousin. That's what we did. It was a uh, rather strange and different type of July 4th. Yeah, I bet they liked it, though, being cooped up in the house. And you bring up a good point. If you're not socially distancing while shooting fireworks, you're probably acting dumb. Yeah. Just in general, pandemic or no pandemic. Probably want to get some space in between there and the explosives. If you're not socially distancing, you're probably shooting each other with Roman candles. <laughs> yeah, which is uh, not great. Been hit with one of those before, but lived to tell the tale. Yeah, we used to do that. We used to fight with them constantly. <laughs> and when you get hit with one, shit hurts. Yeah, same with the bottle rockets. Those things hurt, too. Because you get stuck with the pole and it blows up. It's like, it's a double whammy. Like, <laughs> they're no fun. Well, to a blistering start here on Talk of Champions. A lot of questions to get to. I put it up on Twitter on Monday. Y'all responded. We needed mailbag questions for today. We've got 32 to get through. So the only way to do it is to jump right in. It's mailbag time. Mail time. The mail's here. You've got mail. Special mail for you. This is a letter to Hollywood saying, keep it up. Movies are great. The mailbag brought to you by Modern Woman. A lot of questions, like I said, to get to. Okay, where are we going to start? Let's see. Ah, here's a good one. Hunter Kinneberg. Loyal listener at Hunt Kinneberg. The Baylor game. Will it go on as scheduled, or do you think it gets delayed? Uh, I lean no at this point to it going on as scheduled. I just, and I'm not one that knows anything, like don't get me wrong, but just the, the, the last two, three weeks now, it almost feels like it's been that far of pessimism just surrounding college football, containing the virus. We talked about this, I think, on our last podcast, but just like, like what does it really mean in terms of case numbers versus death rates and how does that actually relate to college football? There's a whole lot going on. I just am engaging the general pessimism, and I'm going to lean no. Could be wrong. I don't have like a, any intel on that. Just, again, judging the temperature, reading the room, whatever cliche you want to come up with, it just feels unlikely. But, again, three weeks from now, it could be you know full go. Who knows? I haven't been this pessimistic about college football since the whole pandemic started. Yeah, it's just – but like when when you see it in early July that like Clemson or what it may have been late June has thirty dudes test positive or thirty eight whatever the number was, isn't that almost a good thing? Because like I know it's not completely concrete and you don't know a ton about getting it twice, but it seems like very very few people are getting it twice. So if you're getting almost half your scholarship roster, 
like getting it in July, that seems to be better than them getting it, you know, in August or September or October or so on. I just, I don't know what's good and what's not. It's so hard to read into anything. That's the problem. We don't know what the plan is. I think all schools are trying to operate by the same structure and the same idea as to how to deal with it. But what you're also dealing with, and Ole Miss is dealing with it, some kids aren't showing up to strength and conditioning, the practice facility, whatever, to do the work because they don't want to catch the virus. So they're just not showing up. And that's not something that's going to just stop. The threat will always be there. Ole Miss has had north of 30 cases and guys in quarantine. And Ole Miss isn't alone. Ole Miss, just like other schools, is dealing with this virus and the uptick in it. Now, Ole Miss has flattened recently, which is an encouraging sign. But I had somebody tell me last week, connected in the Ole Miss Athletics Administration building, there's no way college football happens. Now, I don't believe it's that fatalistic on, what, July, whatever today is, 7th. I don't believe it's the end. I, I still think that a season will happen in some way. But I don't think we're starting on time. I find it hard to believe because, remember, this was the time. July 1st, first couple of weeks of July, this was the time that all college administrators were planning to make some type of concrete decision and path forward, and it hasn't happened yet. Why? Because we've had an uptick in cases. And regardless of what you think about it, about COVID, about how the media is handling it, how the government's handling it, whatever, understand that college administrators are not going to feel comfortable and will not start a season if there is an uptick in cases, which there has been. Because for a while there, there was optimism. Curve had flattened, and then a spike in June, July. It's not good. That's not the direction you want it to go. Regardless of how you feel about it, that's how college administrators are viewing it. So if you ask me today, Baylor game going on a scheduled? No, no. I think it gets pushed. I don't know if it gets punted all the way to next year or something. I tell you one thing that doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever, a spring season. The the argument of the back end of that doesn't it? No one ever has an answer for that. This like spring season guy, we're like, well, what do you do about next year? You can't ask two dudes to play two full football seasons, and what is that? Uh, eight nine month span, whatever it is. I mean, you get the point. It's just not feasible. You can't do that. No, you can't do it. So then you're continuing to push the calendar year by year. Say for example, Ole Miss and college football start in the spring. The next fall football season probably doesn't start until January. Maybe this spring season starts in March, February, March. I don't know. I don't know how that would work. And maybe it's only an SEC, all-conference, whatever, schedule. The next year, you're still going to start late to give the kids enough time to recuperate and all that. And then year by year, you're slowly moving the date back up. But that means you're not getting back to regular college football in September until, what, 2024? And what happens to basketball? I'm scared to death for college basketball. Because I don't think there's any chance they start November. I think the earliest they're starting right now from everything I'm hearing is January. Now, what we've learned in this time of COVID-19 is that things can change. And it's constantly changing. I'm absolutely concerned. Because I have not seen this kind of pessimism in regards to college football since the pandemic started. Everyone kind of viewed it as, well, they'll have to figure something out. And Ole Miss will too. Ole Miss will have to figure something out. Because Ole Miss was decimated financially, by the NCAA investigation. Speaking of, Ross Bjork, Texas A&M, how you doing? They were decimated. And Ole Miss has $8 million right now being withheld in Birmingham by the SEC office in escrow. I think it releases in November. That's big. People have been throwing up their hands saying, what the hell are they doing 
having a home-and-home with Charlotte, having a home-and-home with South Alabama at my daughter's birthday party. I got asked that. Why are they doing a home-and-home with Charlotte? That's ridiculous. And what I said then, what I'll say now, you don't have to pay the money to get them to come here. (laughs) It's a financial decision. You just send your kids to go play over there. It's cheaper. And Ole Miss needs to save money as much as it can. Agreed. And you'll probably start seeing more and more of that in terms of scheduling. Obviously, it's weird because, like, by what was that Ole Miss Charlotte game like 2027? Will you still try? Will you still be trying to save money from this pandemic in 2027? Yes. yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I, my answer was I was going to say I don't know, but yeah, I'd probably lean yes. But yeah, I think you'll probably see more and more of it because, like you said, you can just do it home and not have to fork over a ton of money in a game that 99 times out of 100 you should win. Uh, Great. Charlotte is not the same thing as a southeastern louisiana or whatever but you know if, if you go and lose to charlotte in charlotte then that's probably more of an indictment of where you're at as a program anyway and you probably got bigger problems on your hands at dan f miller if college football does not play or maybe just plays a shortened spring season how do you think eligibility will be handled <laughs> I, can my answer be i'm glad i'm not the one that has to answer that like officially yeah if they play games the eligibility is the same. You just lose six games you would otherwise get with, I don't know, Jalen Jones, name a senior. Juniors what do you that do? are draft eligible, they can go, all that. Is he? Did he ask if it's a spring season or if there's no games? If college football does not play or just plays a short spring season. Well, it's two different things. If college football doesn't play, they'd have to do something like baseball, effectively give an extra year of eligibility to all kids. But they're going to figure out a way to play. I'm pessimistic of them starting on time of football happening in the fall, college football. I think the NFL, the NFL is the NFL. They'll figure it out. But college football, I'm, I'm just very pessimistic right now. But there's well, going to be some you, type of college football. And if, it's, and if they do have that, then the eligibility will stay the same. It'll just be, well, that's a shame that you lost you know, six games to Jalen Jones because they only played eight or whatever. The other part of the anti-spring argument is what do you do? With, you mentioned NFL probably just going to try to do it as close to on time as possible. But what do you do with the draft eligible dudes? Like, do they just not play a spring season? Because like that's them playing a spring season, getting drafted, and then what? Going to OTAs like I don't know two months later, and then going to training camp and doing the whole thing over again. It's essentially no off season. Yeah, they'll just skip play the shortened season. They'll opt out. But that's going to. I mean. I guess it's just a casualty of it, but you talk about kids that going into their senior year or whatever, even some juniors that maybe wanted to go pro. I imagine most of the juniors would try to come back until things are more stabilized, but you talk about screwing a lot of kids' draft stocks. Like they, A lot of these kids need, need tape and need more games, and they're just not going to get them if that's the case. Yeah, I just don't think a spring season is feasible. I just don't. Me neither. But Keith Carter said it. He brought it up on Rev Talk last week with David Kellum. He said there have been discussions about a spring season more lately than there had been. So it's a possibility. I don't know if I buy it. Because not only does it hurt you football-wise with kids that could opt out like we mentioned, but what it does to basketball. Effectively, you're not getting basketball. I'm not sure then if that's the scenario. Football doesn't happen in the fall. We're talking about a spring season. If football just doesn't immediately roll into baseball and they just punt basketball, it's a mess. And that's why, my God, we as a country just have to say, regardless of our politics, of how we feel about things, wear a mask and sanitize. That's the most basic thing we can do individually 
to get this stuff back. Because right now, it's bad. It's really bad. And there's a lot of pessimism. Dan F. Miller again. In what calendar year do you think Lane Kiffin coaches his first, quote, normal Ole Miss football game, i.e., a regular season game played during the fall semester with a full roster, no limits on stadium capacity, no atypical recruiting restrictions? 2022? I mean, you brought in the recruiting thing. Recruiting, I don't know if restrictions are right, but it's going to be weird. I don't know what your roster numbers do depending on what – we just talked about eligibility so don't you think like the first time this is all normal again in terms of his total program is 2022 i mean in terms of his coaching normal games it probably goes back to normal in 2021 but just fully normal off the field on the field whatever is probably two years away don't you think at this point i feel the exact same way that's the very first number that popped in my head 2022 and i don't even know if it's going to be normal in 2022 we're dealing with a pandemic and first pandemic since what 1918 who knows? I'm exhausted talking about it. And I'm scared oh, to death about not having a college football season. Major League Baseball right now is already dealing with problems. Like I'm a Braves fan, for example. Freddie Freeman came down with the virus and got really sick. So much so that Nick Markakis, who was already thinking about opting out, called Freddie Freeman, heard how sick he was, and said, yeah, I'm not doing this. And they're having testing problems. College football has done a better job of rolling out its testing than Major League Baseball. There's been no uniform way in which sports can take from one another to say this is working, this is the plan, this is what's working for them, let's put it all together, let's move forward. Hadn't had that yet. We don't know. Really? Outside of golf? Yeah, golf. But golf seems way more easier, right? Individual sport, all the guy, like you're talking about 120-player field week to week, no fans. You socially distance in golf anyway. Good on the PJ Tour for figuring this out. Hell, until this week they were considering having fans at Jack Nicklaus's tournament this week. Uh, just canceled that, but not canceled it. It's not allowing fans, but yeah, I mean, golf's, I guess you can't really take from it because it's not like any of these other sports at all. It's so different. It works. That's why every one of us has bought golf carts and golf clubs and gone and played golf during this pandemic because you can socially distance playing golf. But here in New Albany, the guy who was running the pro shop, Bobby White, came down with COVID and he passed away. It's a serious threat. God bless Bobby and his family. It's terrible. That's why this stuff, college administrators, they're taking this seriously, man. And whoever isn't or trying to downplay it, I'm sorry you feel that way because I'm telling you, there's nothing but pessimism right now. I know we're starting out on a really high note here, but it's just the way it is. I want a college football season. You want a college football season. Everybody wants a college football season that's listening to this podcast. We all want college football. The only way we're going to get it is if those cases stop spiking and going up. doesn't matter about the death rate, nothing, none of that, none of it. As long as cases are spiking, the less likely you get a full college football season. I don't think there's any way in hell we're starting on time. I just want my life back. I want the fact that I can't <laughs> get my Sunday ticket to work because my internet stinks to be a valid complaint again, and that'd be my biggest worry. The fact that you still pay 300 and something dollars for Sunday ticket is an indictment on your own personality. No, no, no. I get that. So, so I'm, 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 I've, I've not rigged the system. Other people do it, but I get uh, Fubo TV. So you pay sixty bucks a month, and the Sunday ticket and the red zones included. It. I say Sunday ticket. It's, it's only red zone. That's really all I care about. Oh, okay, so yeah, yeah, red I, zone. I'm, I'm yes. just paying for red zone. I'm not paying for every game anymore. I used to do that, but tremendously outdated. No, I just need my red zone for fantasy. Yeah, I'm the same way. I love red zone. I don't know what I'm gonna do this year. I might just have to go find an illegal Reddit stream. 
because I had PlayStation View and they had Red Zone and then PlayStation View folded up shop. So YouTube TV, as far as I know, doesn't have Red Zone. So if anybody has any suggestions, let me know. Because if we have the Fub- NFL, I need my Red Zone. Fubo TV, that's all you need. Yeah, but then you don't get into the other channels that you might watch. I guess I don't really Fub- watch any of those channels anyway. You get all kinds of stuff on there. It's not just Red Zone. You get like 60, 70 other channels. It's just random stuff. I don't understand the channel mix, but you get other stuff. As long as you have the HGTV for my wife, then I think I'd be all right. I think I'd survive. I'd be okay. Not a question from Gunboat Dave. Just wanted to say, David Sanders on your recent podcast, talking basketball. He loved him. Loved listening to him. Have him back on. Thank you, Dave. At Dan F. Miller again, if college football does not play in the fall, when do we start hearing about delaying, canceling college basketball activities in the season? Can college basketball be put off until January-ish and still squeeze in some semblance of a season? We'll get right back to Brian Scott Rippey in this mailbag edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Cheney's Pharmacy. We're all doing whatever we can to survive quarantine, right? It can be tough. We're making purchases to keep our sanity, to keep us happy. Maybe you're going on Amazon. Hit an add to cart purchase. Maybe, just maybe, you're in the market for a new car. And if you are, I know the place you should go. The only place you should go. And that's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Alan Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. But what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is Alan Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now, I only vouch for sponsors I truly believe in. If I myself have not had a personal experience with any sponsor, they're not going to be on this podcast. And my longest relationship is with Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Why? Because I can't say enough good things about Brian and Mason and the rest of the team. I don't like to haggle. I don't like to negotiate. I don't like the whole process of buying a car. With Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, you can avoid all of that. They're looking out for you. So give them a call today, 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, the only place to find your perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Self-isolation, quarantine, has brought about its own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, they've earned your trust. You can count on them. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down. Give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. We've all got our own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. You're going to have to start hearing that in September, right? Once these kids get back on campus for the schools that are going back, like, you know, you'll have a decision by college football by then, obviously. But once you start nearing towards school starting back and, you know, the plan is, at least for a lot of these schools in the South in particular, that they're coming back on campus. I imagine right around then's when you really got to make a call for, for hoops, too, because you think it's that far off, but you get these kids and do they call it training camp? Whatever it is, their preseason practice, like, that's not too far off. I feel like you'd have to kind of start making calls by then. I've already said it. 
I don't think they're starting until January. I could be wrong. I don't think they're starting in November. Because college Couldn't football that be is a make blessing it. for them? Yeah. Who pays attention to hoops in November and December other than – I love d- basketball, but, I mean, I don't pay as close attention to them. Other than diehards, like January is when you think it starts anyway. That's when you get your marquee non-conference game or games or tournament, and that's when the um, conference schedule kicks in is January. So you're right. That's when everybody really starts to focus in. I get it. My whole deal is what does college football do? Because if they do a spring season, that changes the whole game. The capacity question is, is no longer the question. If there's capacity, it's 25-50%. I think Kentucky told its season ticket holders maybe earlier this week, maybe late last week, I don't know, to only expect 50% capacity at Kentucky. If Kentucky's thinking that, Ole Miss is going to be similar. Auburn, Alabama, all going to be similar. And if they're talking about 50% capacity in July, you're probably talking 25%. 35-ish, maybe. That's what capacity is going to be. But that's no longer the hot-button topic. The hot-button topic, the concern is, are we going to get football? And I never viewed the capacity thing as a, as much of a hot-button issue anyway, just because if you say you're going to go 50 and like it, things magically get better by October, which I'm not forecasting at all, but like if it gets a lot better or there's some kind of treatment or you kind of figure this out, then you can open up 100% halfway through. Like, what's the harm in that? There's no point in saying, like, you know, we're going to try to be – like, I saw Arkansas's AD, like, you know, this seems like a whole nother world ago, but, like, a month or two ago, is like, we plan to be at full capacity. It's like, what Like, what do you get out of saying that at this point? Like, it, it doesn't make any sense. Because every time you say something like that, you got to turn around and come back and say, well, 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 hold on, hold on. We said we hoped for 100 <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I haven't felt this sense of pessimism since the whole thing started. Well, initially when it started, there was that pessimism. And then it went away. And now it's back. But now it's decision time. But basketball, I think you can get by with the January season as long as it's not competing with football. Because if football's in the spring, that's a game changer. They could squeeze in some semblance of a season and be able to see teams for the NCAA tournament. If you have a shortened season in college football, which I think is an inevitability at this point, whenever it is, how do you determine bowls? How do you determine who's the playoff teams? Do suddenly conference championship games finally matter? Yeah, in a sport with really no like efficient playoff system and really just not a ton of uniformity, uh, shocking, a global pandemic is not going to help them get on the same page <laughs> with, with, with anything. Like uh, the, the playoff arguments, if they go in the fall at some point, like I mentioned this, I think, last time, but the playoff arguments of – you know, who beat who without X player because he caught the virus are just going to be insufferable. Yeah, to basically be on that playoff committee and say, sorry, guys, we're going to eliminate all that. This is what we're going to do. The four winners of the four biggest conferences, and you're going to hear people just scream, no, it's not fair. Well, it's a pandemic. It's a pandemic. What do you do? There's no right answers right now. I'm going to tell you, I'm in a mood on this Tuesday. I'm sorry if I'm coming across as a little moody. But man, I haven't felt so wistful for normalcy in quite some time. I just want to have some type of normalcy again. I just miss daily talking about college football, those stupid problems, college baseball, college basketball, that we're now in July. And we're still talking about the number one thing being whether or not we're getting college football. It's such an indictment. Sean Doolittle of the Washington Nationals came out, did a press interview, and said, 
Sports are the reward for a functioning society. And we ain't functioning well right now. Because <laughs> if we were functioning well right now, and all of us were universal and deciding that we're going to go ahead, we're going to attack this with rigor, and we're going to put a stop to this, or we're going to flatten the curve and flatten it for good, all other countries are getting back to sports, man. And we're in July, and we're still talking about this. And there's pessimism. This just sucks. And I hate having to talk about it on this podcast. This podcast isn't fun when this is what we have to talk about. I appreciate all the questions. I love doing mailbags. And yet the mailbag questions are questions we don't have answers to yet. Two months ago, because that's an interesting point you bring up, where we were July 7th. Right now, I thought two months ago when we were peak COVID or maybe coming down a little bit, this was about when you would start seeing MLB and NBA come back and golf would be back by now, and you're kind of getting a blueprint for how this is going. And we still may get to that point in a couple of months. Like, like if at the end of July when MLB and, and NBA come back, and it's I, I get you're having guys sit out. I think that's just a, a byproduct. I don't think there's any way to avoid that. But if it runs smoothly, does that change optimism? Does that change the discourse? Does that change anything? If you can actually get these two team leagues back on the field – and they put out a product without major, and when I say major, you're going to have guys test positive, you're going to have guys sit out and quarantine, but if they can get through a couple weeks of the season without a major catastrophe, do you think that'll change anything? Yes, but by that point, you're talking about August. Now we're in August and we haven't made a decision. I thought by now that we as a country universally would have come to a consensus about a plan and how we were going to attack it and would have flattened the curve to where in college football world, these kids would be getting back on campus, which they are. Yes, you'd have positive cases. That's what you want when you're having this kind of testing. That, that's part of the deal. That's why you wanted them to get back on campus so you could put them through your testing capability and all that kind of stuff. That's good. So the fear porn stuff from Dan Walken and other guys like that about, oh, God, how can you do this when Clemson's got this many cases, Kansas has shut down workouts. This is what you wanted. Now you're putting forth your plan. All of those measures that you worked for months to put in place once this happened, you test them out and you see if it works now. Because if it works now, if you have success now, that's how you get college football back. But I thought by now, we'd have had a lot of answers from those tests and those testing capabilities of colleges and whatever. And kids would be getting ready to ramp up those two-hour, once-a-day walk-through stuff with their coaches. And we'd be reporting on that. Effectively, the OTAs, the spring that we did not get though in a truncated capacity and limited players and limited availability for us. But that's what we would be reporting on, actual football activity. And we are not reporting on football activity. Ole Miss had, I think, 32 kids at workouts at the end of last week. What are we doing? Why in July, approaching July 10th, the deadline that college administrators, it's an arbitrary deadline, but they set that deadline as a time to be making decisions. Why? Why? Are we at this point? And what are we going to do about it? Because at this point, college football ain't looking good. I had somebody tell me last week, connected in the Ole Miss Athletics Administration building, once the Ivy League bid goes to its spring season next week, and it happened, the Ivy League announced it's playing in the spring, it's over, it's over, it's no college football. I am not that fatalistic. And I still think that college football will do whatever it can to get in some type of season because without it, it would be devastating for the local economies of all these schools. Just devastating. Think about Oxford. Oxford would be devastated. And yet, we're not doing our part. All of us. 
Oxford had a vote recently in the last couple of days where Oxford could have closed the bars at 10 p.m. Not left them open till 1. Because, you know, you have kids being kids, going out, being around each other, doing stupid stuff, throwing corona parties. And it got voted down. They're going to leave the bars open till 1. Why? What in the world is the reasoning behind right now leaving the bars open till 1? We're not telling you to not go to the bars. We're telling you to be responsible when you go to the bar. I want normalcy too. I don't want to talk about this anymore. I don't want to come on this podcast thinking, what the hell are we talking about today that's not COVID? That's not the state flag. That's not our political climate. It's terrible. I hate it. I feel like I'm doing a disservice to you as a listener, but what can we talk about? This is where we are on July 7th. It feels like Groundhog Day. It feels like we're talking about the same topics on July 7th that we were talking about in March and April. Chad Hubbard at Chadwick75. Got a little worked up there. Sorry. At Chadwick75. Three questions. Number one. Does the new Mississippi flag design vote go through the first time? Oh, I would say 100% no. Yeah, no. I'm not well versed on <laughs> no that thing, way. but the first, with the amount of fight that they just had to take the thing down, do you think the first, the first design, no matter how awesome it looks in your mind or anyone else's mind, that there's going to be a universal, yep, that's the winner. No, nah, there's going to be a lengthy process, but whatever, the, the, the bad one's down, you're going to get a new one eventually, but no, I, I don't think the, whatever first iteration is, is getting passed. If you put the hospitality flag up for vote right now, I think it would get voted in immediately. I don't know why we're not doing this. Just throw it up, man. The hospitality flag looks good. I like that flag. Do I think it goes through on the first vote? No. No shot. Number two, two or three full recruiting cycles for Lane Kiffin to have a full roster with a decent rotation ability on defensive and offensive lines. Defensive line you can fix a little bit quicker. But offensive line is really just kind of the one position now in modern college football where no matter how talented you are, it's really difficult to plug and play. I mean, you look at Tunsil or even guys like Greg Little, really tough to plug and play there. So I think that'll take a couple of cycles to really get a bunch of depth in there. Though they have some okay pieces, just not very much depth at all right now. Didn't have much depth last year. Got lucky that, again, that there was really no major injury. Uh, I think defensive line you can fix a little bit quicker. They're not bad there on the front end. If you actually look at their front line, kind of going back to the whole 4-3 multiple thing, they're actually not bad there. Um, maybe a little little weak on the interior, but got some decent pass rushers on the exterior. Just depth is a problem there. But I think you can fix the defensive line much quicker than the offensive. Two recruiting cycles, too. Because remember, Ole Miss signed a lot of offensive linemen in this last class of Matt Luke. A lot of them. So you got to hope that that previous staff, which was led by a former offensive line coach and offensive lineman, are going to hit. Because developing offensive linemen take a while. You hit the nail on the head, man. The Laramie Tunsils, Michael Lors, Greg Littles, they don't come around very often. Most of the guys that start for you on the offensive line have been in your system for two, sometimes three years before they start. Take some time to have a good offensive lineman. That's the toughest position to develop. So Caleb Warren, Jeremy James, Carter Colquitt, all those guys, those are the ones that you have to hope the previous staff hit on in evaluations if you want it to turn around pretty quickly as far as depth is concerned. But the problem is the current recruiting landscape and what Ole Miss is dealing with, I don't understand how they can possibly have a December signing period during all this. I don't know how you do it. 
I don't know how you have a February signing period. I don't know why you wouldn't have a universal signing period for all sports, or maybe just basketball and football, that goes by the same schedule as basketball. It's where basketball usually has a November signing period. You're punting the fall signing periods. And then in March, they can sign from March till May. Because maybe then you can get kids on campuses. Maybe then you can host some form of camp. I don't know what that would look like. I don't know how you do a camp. But you know what I mean? Like the typical things that you would need to evaluate and offer prospects and get commitments and build relationships, which is where the, a first-year staff is at its biggest disadvantage. You have none of that right now. So I don't know. The reason it would take three full recruiting classes is because of the current environment with COVID. It's the whole deal. It's what it keeps coming back to. Some guy actually asked me in the pool on 4th of July the, on Saturday, because uh, there, if there's anything that I would love to talk about with uh, you know standing in the pool on the 4th of July trying to enjoy myself, it's recruiting. I just eat it up. And he was asking me about the like like what are they going to do about high school football and recruiting and all that. And I was like, it seems like, I mean, obviously not having high school football makes it difficult to evaluate, but it seems like the real killer is not bringing kids to these summer camps because that seems where a ton of the evals gets done if you actually talk to dudes that are responsible for, you know, going to get players. It seems like, to me, the real killer is not having these summer camps to where you actually get evaluations on kids. Evan Ingram would not have been at Ole Miss had he not shown out at a summer camp. There are a lot of kids like that. They get their offers by performing in front of coaches. The third question from Chad Hubbard. What percent chance we have all sports going at the same time in spring 2021? I'll be honest with you. I think there's a greater chance of that right now than there is of football either starting on time or playing in the fall. Agreed. I mean, but who knows? Are we going to be recording a talk of champions in December where you keep apologizing for asking? I talk like a broken record. (laughs) Still talking about that. (laughs) I don't know, but I would agree. I think there's a pretty good chance of it. Uh, I'll put it at, uh, I don't know, 60%. That seems cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I think you'll be okay. I think in the end, I believe in the good of Americans and that we're all going to come together and say, I'm tired of it. I'm going to wear my mask. I'm going to sanitize. I'm going to socially distance. No matter how I feel about it, I'm angry while I do it. I'm going to do it with a frown on my face, but I miss football that much. And we're going to start in October, extend it through January, and then we're going to be done and play basketball. There'll be a vaccine. I don't even know if I can talk myself into that. All right, John Caleb Wilson at John Caleb Wilson. Will the offensive line be better in pass blocking this year, and why or why not? Lose your right tackle. Royce Newman will step in pretty well at right tackle. I'm not really worried about that. The only concern I have pass blocking-wise is Jalen Cunningham at left guard. Because Jalen Cunningham is going to be a first-time starter. He's already good enough as a run blocker, but pass blocking, that's what held him back because they were expecting him to be starting by the end of last year. So, Jalen Cunningham, that's what I'm concerned about. I like what they have at tackle. I like Nick Broker at left tackle. I think he's an NFL player. Obviously, Ben Brown is going to be an NFL player. But you got to be able to pass block confidently, and I don't know if Jalen Cunningham can do it. So, do I think that they'll be better? I don't think they were that bad last year. We just never saw him throw. So, what are we basing it off of? I think being able to get the ball out of John Rice Plumley or Matt Corral's hands more quickly in the passing game will help the offensive line, obviously. I think it'll be more creative. I think their blocking schemes will be more creative. 
I think Lane Kiffin across the board is an improvement offensively and staff-wise with Jeff Levy and all those guys over what Ole Miss had last year. So with that in mind, yes, I think they'll be better. John Caleb Wilson at John Caleb Wilson. Which freshmen make impacts this year? Well, are we playing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> which freshman makes impacts this year? The Darius Cox has to play. Brandon Mack probably has to play. Uh, Mark Britt is in. What is he going to play? Is he a wide receiver or is he a cornerback? If he's a cornerback, I could see him playing a lot. Kid's got talent. Um, does Ole Miss get Leonard Manuel? He could play. I don't think Henry Parrish is going to play. You're not going to give him snaps over the snaps you would otherwise give to Jerry Ely. You're not going to dip into Jerry Ely or Snoop Connor's snap count to give him to Henry Parrish. So, I don't know about him. The newcomers that are going to get the most playing time and are going to make the most impact are those transfers. Kenny Yeboah, Otis Reese if he gets eligible, Jacob Springer, the defensive lineman that you touched on, Tavian Robinson, I think it is. Yes. Those are the guys that are going to make the biggest impact. Patrick Lucas. Patrick Lucas is going to play. But are we talking about true freshmen or are we including redshirt freshmen in this? Because redshirt freshmen are going to play a big role. But those are the ones that immediately pop up to me. I think those are the ones that make the true impacts this year for Ole Miss football, if they play. Stephen Smith at Stephen Smith 15. If you could pick two guests out of these four for a future podcast, who would you pick? Robert Kimdichie, Laramie Tunsil, Laquan Treadwell, Chad Kelly, Troy Elston. Oh, that's easy. I've been trying to get Laramie Tunsil on this podcast for a long time. And actually had Laramie agreed to come on at one point, but fell apart. Rob, same thing. I was working through Denzel. Remember when Denzel was on this podcast a couple of times? Rob, yeah, Ben, man, I'll come on, I'll come on. Rob would have been great. Was it I would love to. I've had Chad on this podcast, and Chad's awesome. So, I mean, I've done that. I've tried to reach out to Trey, hadn't gotten him. Laquan would be fun, but Laquan's never been a big media guy. So give me Rob and Laramie. Uh, I agree 100%. Laramie was my number one pick by far. You're seeing how charismatic he is in the NFL you know, after that kind of draft night snafu that he really got set up for by his school for not allowing him to talk to the media for almost two years. And then they just feed him to the wolves. But guess what? Charismatic dude. Shocker. People enjoy talking to him. NFL media loves him. So that would be mine. I'd probably go Kim DT next because you just never know where that one's going. Uh, wasn't it Denzel that uh, at Sports Talk Mississippi before I worked there? I guess it was still head to head then. Just fell asleep mid-interview. Remember this? Yes. And I set yeah. that interview up. For Richard Cross. And then he fell asleep. So I woke up. Or maybe I didn't wake up. I don't remember what I was doing. But I got ended up with a text. And I look it up and it's, it's Richard. And he goes, yeah, Denzo just fell asleep. And he was snoring. As That's Richard impressive. was talking, Denzel was snoring. I would want to talk to Rob because I've got a long history with Rob. And I have so many questions about so many different things. I was the one that went to Clarksdale and broke the news that he wasn't playing in the Sugar Bowl. Watched him play the saxophone. I'm the one that went to Atlanta for his art gala, me and Control Lockett. And uh, I've told that story before. That was an experience. I mean, the slam poetry he had on his dad, who was standing right there. Oh, God. Denzel, God bless him. He rapped at this gala, forgot the words to his own song. It was something else, man. With Denzel, we talked about everything. We had, I think that was one of the first Talk of Champions podcasts we did. Maybe it was the very first one. When Talk of Champions was just totally guest-driven, long-form conversations. Me and Forty talked to Denzel, and that's when he talked about all the stuff he did in college, all the drugs he did. 
and it made national news. People wrote stories about it. Denzel was a great interview. I haven't heard from Denzel in a while. Hope he's doing well. But I'd love to talk to Rob. We'll jump right back to Brian Scott Rippey in this mailbag edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch and LB's Meat Market, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch. That's right, Brennan. He spent eight years on the football staff at Ole Miss as a recruiting analyst, as he detailed brilliantly in a recent interview on this podcast. But he's out now. He's out of the game, having joined the family business, where his goal is to be with you through every step of the car buying experience, from purchasing to financing to servicing, all the way to the purchase of the next vehicle and the one after that. When you arrive on the lot at Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch, you'll quickly realize that this is a family business, which I can personally vouch for because I recently went through this process with Brennan. And I can safely say, if you're in his area, there's no one better to contact to help you find that car you've been searching for through someone you can trust. So reach out to him today at brennanchapman.com. That's B-R-E-N-N-O-N chapman.com. Whether it's shopping new or used, Brennan can help you out. That's Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford in Olive Branch. Talk of Champions is thrilled to welcome LB's Meat Market as one of its newest sponsors. LB's, the preeminent butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. The place to go for any and all of your meat needs. Just right now, they've got the Lane Train Special, a six-ounce bacon-wrapped filet for $10. they got fresh seafood, grill packs, and a lot of different types of sausages. Put simply, if your grill is in need of meat, the only place to go in Oxford, Mississippi is LB's Meat Market. Give them a call today at 662-259-2999. That's 662-259-2999. Stop by and see them at 2008 University Avenue. That's just across the street from Kroger. It's LB's Meat Market, your butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. David Hudson at Huddy32. Martin Prado or Angelton Simmons. Angelton Simmons. He's the best defensive shortstop in the history of baseball. And if you want to argue with me about it, I got receipts to back it up. I love Martin Prado. He's a fan favorite. But Angelton Simmons all day because of the value he provides you as a defensive shortstop. Kurt Kelly at Old Dinky. Favorite chicken tender restaurant, Rippy. Abner's, Zaxby's, Cane's, Other. I like Cane's. I like all three. I don't take a hard stance on either one of them. But between the tenders, the fries, and the sauce, I actually like Cane's better than all of them. But I eat Zaxby's a lot, and I eat Abner's a decent bit, too, because, you know, before you had the pavilion thing, you didn't have a Cane's in Oxford at all, and it's rarely open when you want to get it uh, now. So I like all three, but Cane's is my favorite. Chicken George's in New Albany, Mississippi has the best chicken tenders, grilled or fried. Kenneth Collins at RebelFan68. Did Ole Miss make it to Omaha and win the 2020 College World Series? Sure, why not? I think they should hang a banner anyway. Why not? Yeah. That would that'd go over well. Hang it next to that SEC West champion 2003. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, they had – they had, you know, it's a different game when you get into the SEC play, especially this past year it would have been loaded. Their schedule was ridiculously difficult. But just the way they were playing, they would have had as good a shot as any. I mean, with the, with the evidence given to you, they had a great shot to get there. And, you know, who knows what happens when you get there. I'm bullish about this team. They were 100% getting Omaha. And I am not one of those that is bullish like that. You know that. But I really believe that team was different. And I'll tell you why I think they were different. And I think I've talked about this on this podcast before because God knows it's all running together. Gray Kessinger, Thomas Dillard, that number one class made up of mostly Oxford kids. 
They lived in the disappointment of Ole Miss baseball. They grew up in it. The postseason failings, right? They lived those things. So before they even got here, they were already a part of the culture, ingrained in them. And they felt it. You know they felt it. Whether they admit it or not, they felt it. When they got to the regional or they got to the super regional, they knew what was at stake. These kids were mostly made up of kids from, I don't know, Derek Diamond, California. Doug Nikhazy, Florida. Anthony Servideo, swag for days, Florida. These were not local kids feeling the pressure. All they knew was some of these guys had been on the roster, of course, and been through that disappointment before. Tim Elko, who's crushing it right now for Fond du Lac, they had not lived in that. And they approached each game, no matter who they played against, with, we don't care, we're better than you. Kel Baker does not come from Oxford, Mississippi. He's from the Midwest. Hayden Dunhurst, he grew up in Ole Miss, if anyone would be an Ole Miss guy. Maybe he knew it a little bit, but they didn't care. And he wasn't there for it. Like, wasn't there for Black Monday. And honestly, at this point, how how old is Hayden Dunhurst? Like, is he born in 01, 02? Like, he doesn't remember 05 and 06. Probably doesn't remember 09 that Exactly, yeah. So these guys had not lived in it or grown up in it like Gray and Thomas Dillard. They didn't care. They just thought they were better than everyone. And every one of those kids to a man, I've talked to most all of them, believed they were winning a championship. Had they won a championship, we will never know. But they sure as hell believed it, and they believed it with great conviction. And every team says that and puts lip service to that, but few teams truly believe it because they're that cocky about themselves. And cockiness in any other sport, it's not the same as it is with baseball. Because you're going to fail far more often than you're going to succeed. So baseball, you have to be cocky. And these guys were cocky. And they were producing. And they were beating everybody. So I believe they'd gone to Omaha. Now, winning a World Series, when you get to Omaha, all bets are off. I have no idea what would have happened. Kenneth Collins at RebelFan68. What is considered to be the deadline on deciding if there is a season or not? Well, I thought this was it. End of July. I mean, if you don't have an answer by the end of this month, really, what are you doing? I think end of July. Kenneth Collins at RebelFan68. Who would Ole Miss have taken to SEC Media Days this year? First of all, I don't think Media Days is ever going to happen. I think they're effectively going to do some type of car wash, ESPN car wash with all the head coaches. That's what it was anyway. Yes. I couldn't agree more. I thought I thought them, because all these other places or all these other conferences, or at least most of them seem to be, okay, we're going virtual. It'll be Zoom. You know, thoughts and prayers to the IT guy that has to rig that up. But like, I thought the SEC just being like, no, nah, it's being delayed was a weird move. Like, what are you going to delay it to? Like, you yeah, think we're all gathering do? there in August? Like, what, what are we doing? And to your point, it's a TV event anyway. Um, I'll tell you, the, one of the things that, like, I swear, particularly the young team last year, like, honestly, from a media, like, local media perspective, the most you get out of it in some years is who they bring. Like, the fact that they brought Matt Corral last year ended up being super significant by the end of the year because they hyped him up as the future of the program. Everyone, myself included, wrote those stories and then quit on him three games in. Like, it, it was I mean, if you want to talk about coaching malpractice or not being firm in your decisions or whatever, like, that's your evidence right there. So, to me, from a local media standpoint, sometimes this guy's question is the most interesting part of the whole event. For local guys, it just doesn't matter. I quit going. And I'll never forget, I did a mailbag very early in the season last year and was asked a storyline, a shocking storyline that I think could happen. And I said... I'm not convinced Matt Corral finishes the year as, as Ole Miss' starting quarterback. And I got blitzed. I'm talking blitzed. People saying, you're such a idiot. 
you're so full of crap. You don't know crap. You're an idiot. And the reason why is because I knew that John Rice Plumley was handpicked by Rich Rodriguez. I knew that. And for what Rich Rod wanted to do, what Matt Luke wanted to do, John Rice fit it better. And they love John Rice. That's why I said it. But I say that to say, you don't get any of that at SEC Media Days. SEC Media Days is completely misleading. If you go by SEC Media Days, Matt Corral was going to be the everything. If you go by SEC Media Days, Josiah Coatney was the, one of the faces of the program. And he wasn't even the most decorated or productive defensive lineman they had, let alone defensive players. Benito Jones was far better than him, but they didn't want to take Benito because they didn't think Benito would like it or he wouldn't do well. But SEC Media Days is a farce. It's a lie. And it does nothing but pump up the SEC. It's basically the SEC jerking itself off. That's what it is. Yeah, and it's become even more necessary for them with the SEC network because it's a TV event. Yes. But to your point, the your classic figurehead guy, like I think they would have brought Momo Sonogo again. He 100%. was great last year. Yeah. Typical. Uh, my fun answer would be the three guys they bring are Matt Corral, John Rice Plumley, and Grant Tisdale. That makes it matter. That makes it matter. <laughs> if it was me. Just put all three of them on the podium together. I used to think, and it used to be treated this way, that you took your three best players to media days. You didn't take into account how they would talk to – because what they do when they get to media days, they make all these different stops. First, they'll have three kids, and they all start in different places. One will start on Radio Row. One will start in the TV room. One will start with the ESPN room, which is just ESPN. They get these exclusive single-person interviews, right? And then they rotate, and they go all around the Winfrey Hotel Ballroom. This year was going to be in Atlanta. But anyway, that's what they do. They rotate. And it's hard for a kid who doesn't like the media to go through that. It used to not be that way. It used to be far more truncated to where there were three rooms. There was print, there was radio, and there was TV. That was it. Radio Row, you maybe would get coaches and stuff. But now players are going to Radio Row. And Radio Row is a dumpster fire. (laughs) It's awful. It's changed. It used to be you took your very best players. I wish it was still that way because how much more interesting would it be for us locally? Because we don't get anything out of it. You at home, you get something out of it. We don't. We get 10, 15 minutes with the head coach before he goes down and starts his rounds. And that's where we write our best stories from because we have the questions that are pertinent to what's going on right now. Because otherwise, he's going to stand up in that big room and he's going to answer the same questions we've been talking about on a podcast for months or we've been writing about or previewing for months. It's regurgitated crap. The best player yeah. argument, then, to make it interesting, you take Sam Williams, because that kid's the best defensive player you got, or Lakia Henry. But I'd take Sam Williams, because, man, when you watch those highlights, they were explosive. You take John Rice Plumley, because that's who everybody knows. Regardless of whether or not he's going to be the quarterback, you take John Rice Plumley. And then the third guy you take is Jerry on Ely. Those are the guys that people know. Those are the guys that people want to hear from. Jerry on is fascinating. Now, there would be really lazy stories from people like, I, I don't know, I'm just going to throw a name out there, Dennis Dodd, that would write about Jerry on Ely being a football and a baseball player. The crap that you've read a hundred times. But those are the interesting dudes. But they would never take those guys. Who would they have taken to SEC Media Days? Momo Sonogo. And Momo's awesome. And Momo was really productive as a sophomore. He got hurt last year. It's unfortunate. Ben Brown. <laughs> I can actually uh, see them taking Ely. He's not controversial at all. And I don't mean like him saying something controversial. You have a quarterback battle going on. Ely's going to be a bona fide star. 
He's yes. very charismatic, as you mentioned. I could actually, yes, you're going to get the kind of Ben Brown in the middle, but I, I could see Ely being the third. There's really, like, from I'm thinking of this from Kyle Campbell's perspective. Shout oh, that's Kyle. all I think about um, it from now. That's the, only, yeah. that's the only vantage point for me. They will never take Elijah Moore because of what happened at the, during the Egg Bowl. It used to be a reward for upperclassmen, but it's no longer that. They took Matt Corral as a freshman. It is no longer that. So Elijah would never go. And they would be as safe as possible. They want to avoid controversy. So many mics in their face. They're taking Ben Brown. They're taking Momo Sonogo. And the third one, maybe Jerrion. Maybe. To me, it's a no-brainer. To me, it's Sam Williams, John Rice, Plumlee, and Jerrion. But there's no way those would be the three. I don't think they're taking Sam Williams either. And like you mentioned, Cotney last year. Like With all due respect, and I love this guy, but you're not taking Kadir Shepard up there. He was electric, just not in the way a meter relations guy would want him to be. But, but yeah, that's the I stuff agree. you want, man. If you're Ole Miss, it doesn't matter what they say. If they say something that's controversial, any attention is good attention. I don't care what anybody says, outside of NCAA investigator stuff, obviously. Negative, good, whatever. But this year, there's no way Ole Miss would have taken anybody that couldn't answer questions about a couple of things. Racial injustice? The name Ole Miss and Rebels, state flag. Because that's what all those media dudes would ask. You don't think Dan Walker would have stood up and said, um, Lane, um, how, how do you think about uh, Ole Miss um, going by Rebels now? I mean, in this day and age, don't you? He also would have said, kiss my feet. I'm a Gannett colonist, in case you forgot. Anyway. Um, I'm Dan Walken from USA Today. Um, I'm one of the most leading national columnists. Uh, Dan, shut up, man. You got your job because you were unemployed and you had a Twitter following. Shut up. Mike McNatt, at M. McNatt. <laughs> Which men's sports team will be the biggest surprise this year slash next year? The only one that can really surprise is football. Basketball. Can you next... surprise? No. Because once you bring in Romello White and Demencio, those are win-now moves. So the floor is an NCAA tournament appearance. That can't be surprising. Surprising would be making it to the Sweet 16 making it to the Elite Eight. Baseball would not be surprising. They're expected to be good. They were included in D1 Baseball's Omaha 8. They're going to be good, even without Anthony Servideo and Tyler Keenan. I don't have much to add to that. I mean, the <laughs> only other one I was kind of thinking was maybe basketball, just because it was disappointing last year. Like, or from a fan's perspective, are they really buying back in yet, despite the talent? Because you heard the same thing last year. They get to the tournament. Would that surprise some people? I don't know. That's the only other one, though. Baseball can't surprise. Football, definitely. Jody Kitchens at Jay Kitchens 1810. If the 2020 football season is shortened and the final record is not good or the season is canceled entirely, what does that do to the fan excitement level for Kiffin in 2021? I don't think it affects it because people are going to be so – when we do when we do get football back, people are going to be so crazed about finally having a sense of normalcy again. I mean, unless he goes – like, say they play eight games. unless To be fair, unless he goes like – one in seven or something like that. I just don't think it's going to affect it that much because everyone's going to look for every opportunity to discount this year anyway if their team sucks. So I just don't. I don't think it would make much of a difference. I mean, you. I, it, to me, it's hard to indict these guys for whatever the hell happens this year because they still haven't had a practice, and we're in July. Whatever happens this year, they get a mulligan. But I love that question. That is a great question. Because Olmus was building all of its marketing and all its season ticket sales stuff, all that, around Lane Kiffin, the arrival of Lane Kiffin. 
That's had a cold rag thrown on top of it because of COVID. To no fault of their own. No I mean, fault of their own. Obviously, you can't predict that. No, no, of course they, not. Like that, they were. I mean, they had. They, they deserve props for the excitement they created because for someone that's only covered the program from Hugh Freeze's 2016 year on, you had not seen that sort of excitement. Uh, I guess from that off season in 2016, but it's still rather tumultuous. So they should get credit for that. It just is very unfortunate that 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 the cold rag was thrown on it because that thing was ice cold. Let's just assume for the sake of this question that I love, that the season is shortened to eight and eight. What is a not good record? Is four and four good enough? Is three and five good enough, depending what the three wins are? If the three wins include an upset win of, I don't know, LSU, you as an Ole Miss fan are going to be equally excited and chalk it up to, well, COVID was COVID, right? That was a completely different circumstance, unique, never seen it before in our lifetimes. We'll never probably see it again. Who knows? I don't want to say that. Don't jinx us. But that's a very good question. I think even if it's three and five, if it's the right three and five, people are going to still be excited about Lane Kiffin. What does Lane Kiffin do when he doesn't have all this extra stuff he's dealing with? I think you can go back to the same marketing playbook that you tried to go by and were going by before COVID hit. And you could sell tickets. As long as John Rice Plumley produced and Jerry Ealy produced. And those are the guys that are going to be on the cover of your media guide. Those are the most marketable players. And I know this, Nike sent out a memo to all the clothing stores in college towns saying that they could sell jerseys with players' names on them. They can get cuts of that, and that starts next year. So if you win enough games or the right games, Kiffin excitement on top of marketing John Rice Plumley and being able to buy his jersey will be enough going into 2021, if that makes any sense. Tim Thomas at TA Thomas 43 Any news on Ole Miss basketball's 13th scholarship, saving for column if not taken out of the transfer portal. I think if Antavian Column isn't that 13th guy, which I don't think him to be, I think that they're going to leave that scholarship open because they would like to have five scholarships to work with rather than four in the next recruiting cycle. Yeah, I I don't think, I don't know. I, I, I don't know whether it'll be Column or not, but I agree. I think if it is not dude Column, then it is left open, I guess would be my stance. I think they want to have the open scholarship. I think they value the open scholarship more than they would whatever Antavian Column would be able to give them. What is Antavian Column going to give them next year? Are you really going to dip into the minutes of Romello White, Hadim C., K.J. Buffin for Antavian Column? I don't think so. So my view is the value you get from an open scholarship to fill with another four-year player over the minimal contributions of Antavian Column you leave the scholarship open, and I think that's where Ole Miss is right now. Now, not dismissing the fact that they could bring in Tavian Collin back. That could happen, maybe. I haven't heard that at all. I think that they're operating as if they're going to leave the scholarship open because they value that more. Bob Mims, at B. Mims, CPA. Shouldn't Ole Miss be retiring Eli's jersey this year and also Ben Williams' jersey this year? My deal is this. Why are we retiring jerseys? Why are we taking numbers off the field? I hate it about the Yankees. And I'm going to always hate it about Ole Miss. You can honor Partic- these players and hang their numbers in the rafters in a ring of honor and still keep the jersey numbers on the field. 18 is way too good of a number to not be on the field for Ole Miss. As much as you love Archie, you can still honor Archie in the ring of honor, the rebel ring of honor, and have his jersey number on the field. I hate taking numbers off the field. But Chucky Mullins' jersey is on the field. You have 38 out there. 
which would have the best excuse to not be on the field, but you're going to take 10 and 18 off? Kids care about numbers now. Don't make any mistake about it. Kids care about numbers. And 18 and 10 are two really good numbers. You're really going to take those off the field? Just make a ring of honor. Honor Ben Williams. Honor Eli. Honor Deuce. Honor Dexter. But don't take their jersey numbers off the field. I hate it. The Yankees, for Christ's sake, can't put any number up to 11 on the field because they retired them all. No one will wear number two again for the Yankees because of Derek Jeter, the most overrated player in Major League Baseball history. It is just firing arrows takesman central today on baseball. <laughs> I uh, I don't I'm necessarily disagree. I don't know if I can fully go on to it, but yeah, I agree. Ring of honor is the way to go. I mean, particularly kids care about numbers. One, two, you have 85 kids. Not a huge math guy, and I get you can wear some of them twice, but unless you want, you know, in 10 years, your defensive end to be 112, like, you probably should stop doing that. We'll finish out this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Mosquito Marshals, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Are bugs ruining your evenings outside? Do you want to reclaim your yard from those pesky bugs? Well, Mosquito Marshals is here to help, to let their customers and their families enjoy living outside again. At Mosquito Marshals, their top priority is to keep their customers bite-free by providing the best mosquito control services in the industry. The goal is simple, to protect their customers' homes and businesses from mosquitoes, fleas, ticks, and they stand by their results. If you're not 100% satisfied, they'll respray your yard for free. But how do I know this? Because I have first-hand experience. Mosquito marshals rode out to my house and sprayed my yard. Took them no time, and I haven't seen a mosquito since. And trust me, I'm just like you. In quarantine, all me and my daughters can do is go outside, ride a bike, play some ping pong in the garage. Don't let a mosquito mess up your good time. No, schedule your appointment today. You can give them a call at 662-715-1818. That's 662-715-1818. Or visit Mosquito Marshals online at mosquitomarshals.com. Mosquito Marshals, serving Oxford, Batesville, Water Valley, New Albany, Pontotoc, wherever you are, they'll come to you. Mosquito Marshals. I wish I could be in the room with Keith Carter and the marketing guys. I know all of them. They're great guys. They do great work. But I just wish I could be in the room with them sometimes because I think they need a voice sometimes outside of their bubble. Just to say things like this. Get rid of that land shark mascot. It's horrible. It's horrible. No one likes it. You have no ties to it. The guy who led the effort to create him is gone. You can chalk it up to him and say, yeah, it's his fault, Michael Thompson's fault, that this thing turned out like it did. Because it is primarily Michael Thompson's fault. He wanted a mascot that had the ability to do backflips and stuff at basketball games. That's why the suit is what it is. Here's the thing, and he modeled it after NBA mascots that do that. But here's the thing. Those NBA mascots, those are professionals in those costumes. They're paid salaries, good salaries to do what they do. Some days you got a kid from the student section in in a shark costume. Some days you got a professional. Some days you got a cheerleader in there. That's why the shark sometimes is 6'3", and then sometimes he's like 5'8". The Great shark point. sucks. God does shrink a lot. <laughs> shark sucks. Get rid of the shark. It's a slam dunk. It's a slam dunk. Replace him with a big fluffy shark for anybody cares. It doesn't matter. But get rid of the current iteration of the shark. It's easy. The second one would be form a ring of honor and put jerseys back on the field. And then the third thing would be roll out some powder blue jerseys. Why is it so hard to do things people want? Why is it so hard? I'll never understand What is so complicated about gauging the pulse of your fan base, seeing what they overwhelmingly want, and saying, you know what, we're going to do what we can to to make it happen? Isn't that the point of all this? 
right now, right now, during a pandemic, when you're struggling for money and you want people to be buying Ole Miss stuff even though there are no sports to go to, think how much you could be selling if you had marketed the shark right. If you rolled out a new iteration of the shark in March, April, May, and you put them all over hats and stuff. Like the Mississippi shark fin hat, that's great. I'm talking about one for a kid with a big fluffy shark. Hey, come on to the Ole Miss games. That kind of crap. If you said, hey, powder blue jerseys, we're wearing them this year. We're not going to tell you which game it will be a surprise, but they're on sale now in the Ole Miss sports shop. What are we doing? Can you also get one uniform shade of powder blue? Because the basketball jerseys are an entirely different color than the baseball jerseys. The football helmets are kind of the lightest version, it seems. Can you just get uniform? Because powder blue is a color, but they've turned it into three or four. You can right now, socially distanced, of course, unveil. You could put up the ring of honor, and you unveil it. You say, we're going to have one game where we honor Eli and Deuce and Dexter and, I mean, Evan Ingram, Chad Kelly. You have the 10. Patrick with Willis. Patrick freaking Willis. Really? Nobody should ever wear 49 if we're going to be taking numbers off the field. But you should never do that. It's stupid. You have Chucky Mullins' number on the field. This is dumb. Put up a ring of honor. Number 10, Manning underneath it. 18, Manning underneath it. You get what I'm saying? 22-22. McAllister, McCluster. You should be retiring offensive linemen into the ring of honor. Laramie Tunsil, 78. Michael Orr, 74. I don't know if you could put it up there because of uh, what he's done lately, but... Parade Jerry, he says, tentatively. What I miss there? Oh, parade. Oh, we don't want to get into parade. Yeah, we don't. We don't. Want to, we don't want to get into parade. Just no, uh, class act Greg Hardy, eighty-six. That'd be fun. Or, retire his UFC gloves. Yeah. We should have an Ole Miss football Hall of Fame somewhere. There should be a building with collectibles and stuff, like the cleats Dexter wore when he ripped apart Tennessee. People would visit that right now. They'd pay money. They'd pay five bucks to walk through the Ole Miss Hall of Fame. What do I know? Coach Lex, at Coach underscore Lex, this isn't a question. He just says, I believe there's a less than 50% chance there will be a football season at all. No, I'm not going to argue. Yeah, I'm not going to put a percentage on it, but I'm not arguing that. Sure. Ty, at a true rebel underscore 99. Kind of a dumb question. There are no dumb questions. If this season is not played, do you give Lane Kiffin a pass on 2021 if that year's played, no matter what happens, barring a two and ten or three and nine type of season, probably he's getting a quote unquote pass anyway. Like I mean, even if he goes, if that's his first season as Ole Miss head coach and he goes three and nine, he's not getting canned. There's just no shot. So sure, like I mean, I mean, he's getting a pass regardless. But like in terms of, I get what the question he's actually asking. Yeah, I think so. It's his first full season. I mean, I, I would think yeah. you'd have to, no matter what happens. Kelly Smith at K Smith fins up. Why was the Texas A&M NCAA investigation kept under the rug until sanctions were announced, but Ole Miss was leaked about and drugged through the mud all through theirs? Why did Ole Miss officials not pursue legal action against them? Great question. I don't know. Can you answer all that in a day? I could build a whole podcast around that. I'll say this. The NCAA had it out for Ole Miss. Regardless of what any state person tells you, they had a hard-on for Ole Miss. And they had a fixed outcome that they were working towards. And they were going to do anything they could to ensure they got that outcome. So to get that outcome, they leaked things. They coerced players into saying certain things. And even then, those players didn't say certain things. That's why there's still pending litigation right now. Right now. About the NCAA. 
and other parties that were involved in that that got punished in that that are considering, if not going through the legal channels already, to sue. And that'll be a big story. And I'm going to tell you this. There are some schools that have looked at what happened to Ole Miss and said, wait a second, wait a second. Ole Miss, you gave them this. Based on that, what could you do to us? Because the NCAA Power 5 schools have been looking for a way to detach themselves from the NCAA. Nothing gives them better cover than this pandemic and considering the long-term viability of college football to potentially remove themselves from the NCAA. The NCAA did so many crappy things in Ole Miss's investigation. They didn't have the same type of vitriolic approach to Texas A&M as they did to Ole Miss. And look at the allegations in the Texas A&M case. And look at the allegations in the Ole Miss case and compare them and compare the results. And you tell me with a straight face, regardless of how you feel about Ole Miss, whether you're a fan or whether you're a state fan who just thinks that Ole Miss is the devil, that those outcomes, those rulings, are in any way consistent or make any kind of sense. And if you can say with a straight face, oh, Ole Miss did more, then you're full of it. You're deluding yourself. Mike Sheridan, have we heard from him? We haven't heard his name. It was personal. Ross got brought to Texas A&M for this. This was coming. It was Brennan Chapman who came on this podcast who made some great points on Twitter. Pat Forty tweets out after the NCAA stuff comes out about Texas A&M. Wow, an under-the-radar infractions case that lands Texas A&M on probation and earns Jimbo Fisher a six-month show cause that limits his recruiting. From Brennan, to translate, under-the-radar means it wasn't leaked to him the week before signing day by the NCAA. That happened because it was personal. Inside the NCAA, the Texas A&M football program violated NCAA recruiting and countable athletically-related activity rules. From Brennan, in the article, it says the head coach had a bump rule violation by talking to a junior and violated countable activities. Greg Sankey told the Ole Miss staff last year both of those were immediate head coach suspensions. But I guess that's only the case if your name is Ole Miss. Just saying. Car salesman Brennan is a lot more fun on Twitter than football coach Brennan. All right, last couple of questions here. Drew, at Moke Drew, what is Rippy's favorite coach ball moment from J.A.? The part where he would give the people what they want, uh, despite that want being the worst player playing and just basically letting me commandeer the, the uh, momentum of an entire game despite never playing. That Probably that part. Michael Luker, at Luker Michael 2 top things freshmen need to do on campus slash downtown. Top things they need to do? Uh, yeah. Stay in the dorm and wear a mask. In a normal year, we tell you to go to the square and enjoy City Grocery and eat at Proud Larry's, go to parties, have fun, go to class, get a degree. Yeah, you Stumble know, into the things. C-Store, eat some pizza stick and yes. uh, Crispitos, go up to yes. the dorm, play yeah. video games. Uh, yeah. But Roanoke, Faulkner's Grave. Make sure uh, when you're really hammered on the square after going to the bar that you go to Chevron and get chicken on a stick. Yeah, and then Uber. Um, everybody in their life has to... Uh, has to have an experience in Puke Alley on the square. Yeah. I think we right. covered it all. Beham Ole Miss Club. Will Duke Collin be on the team next year? I don't think so. Beham Ole Miss Club. Are you sad to not be visiting Hoover for SEC Media Days? Not at all. Hoover is very, very meh compared to Birmingham City as far as restaurants and entertainment. We can prove it. I'd love for you to prove it to me one day. I don't hate Hoover. I don't. Hoover's uh, just stuff. It's just chains. It's just a yeah. lot of stuff. The thing I like about Hoover, which you can get anywhere, I do like seeing some of the people you don't get to see that often. You know, your Will Salmons of the world, like the particularly on some of the other beats you don't see every year. That's my enjoyment of Hoover. But uh, I, as far as like 
places to eat and just being in the city. Yeah, no, no, thanks. I'll be okay. Behem Ole Miss Club. Have you watched Hunters on Amazon Prime? I have not. Look it up if you have not. Comic book vibe with historical context. I'm rewatching Daredevil because Daredevil, save Daredevil. Charlie Cox is awesome. I will not accept anyone else as my Daredevil. Behem Ole Miss Club. Most upside of all starting pitchers. Gunner, Diamond, Doug. Gunner. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Doug is what he is. Great college pitcher. Not saying he didn't have a chance at the next level. Just kind of is what you know what he is. Uh, you know, Diamond, probably make an argument there, but you're talking about a former first-round pick in Gunner. The answer is Gunner. Gunner. Look at the steps he took from year one to year two. It, it, it's Gunner. Colby Joseph Wallace, any word on the release of the Chucky Mullins movie, It's Time? I have no idea. No clue. No clue whatsoever. Tucker Italiano, have you all noticed the prototype and positions Kiffin's staff has offered? Seems like they like big, tall, pro-style quarterbacks. That's true and overly giant offensive lineman like 6'6 plus. That's what Randy Clemens has always recruited. Mainly curious about the offensive line. When it seems the rest of college football is going towards lean 6'3, 6'5 offensive linemen, Clement is offering the biggest guys available 300 plus and 6'6 plus. That's because despite his reputation and his spread concepts, Lane Kiffin believes in running the ball, and you run the ball the best with road graders. Alabama does not go to 6'3 to 6'5 slim offensive linemen. They're still rolling out those big mollies, hog mollies. And Randy Clements, that has always been his philosophy. He wants bigger guys, especially at tackle. He wants a 6'6 six, six guy, 6'5 six, to 6'6 six, six at right tackle and left tackle. So, But the pro-style quarterbacks, this well took. That's why Luke Atmire is their number one prospect at quarterback. That's why they still have been tentative to go after Ty Keys. I don't know if they view Ty Keys as a perfect pro-style quarterback fit for Ole Miss, even though I think Ty Keys is a good quarterback. There's a lot that goes into that. But you're right. I think that you've uh, got both of those positions pegged. That's it, Rippy. We're done. That was fun. A lot of mailbag questions for uh, there being no sports. Yeah. What you got going on this week, man? Not a whole lot. Got a story dropping tomorrow that I think people at the Spirit will like. So I'll probably spend the rest of the day working on that. Um, that's really about it. I don't know. We'll kind of see what comes up content-wise. As you know, like, just, I mean, in this day and age of COVID, you just kind of wake up every day and be like, all right, what are we doing? And usually figure out something. Something. I'm going to be taking a break for a couple of days. I need a break. I need a mental break. So Rippy and Colin Brister are going to handle the next podcast. So just letting you know, and I'll be back in full, and we'll be rolling full bore with guests starting back next week. I'm planning to get Romero Miller on next week. A couple other people I might be talking to. Maybe Keith Carter. I might have to call him first. But I just wanted people to know that. We went to Florida, did my family and the in-laws, which was just great. And I worked Sounds like day. it. I worked every single day. Might play a lot of golf. Might do nothing. Might just disappear. I don't know what I'm going to do. But I'm going to take a break. So, Rippy, it's on you, man. Don't let me down. We won't. Teachers out. There are no rules. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. 
new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.